Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info. This is Deneen Milner from Speakeasy with Deneen, the Georgia public broadcasting podcast that debuted this year. Um, Each episode focuses on a word and how it interacts with the African-American community. So far, the passwords have been love, beauty, black, fly, and flower. And coming at the top of the year will be freedom. And I really wanted to come on today to share some of my favorite things that relate to those passwords that we've already heard and the one that will be coming up soon. And so here we go. Some of Deneen's favorite things. I think that the perfect embodiment of the word love is New York Times bestselling author Jason Reynolds, who is the author of many, many middle grade and young adult fiction. And uh, he just had a new book come out this year called uh, Look Both Ways, A Tale Told in Ten Blocks. And I just want to read to you how it is described here. The bell rings. The school doors burst open. Students scatter in every direction. But what happens in that space between school and home? Jason Reynolds knows or imagines 10 different answers in this book of loosely connected stories. And what it is is short stories about kids who are walking home from school. Uh, And I just what I love about Jason and his writing is that uh, in in his books, he really deals with black children in ways that really humanize these babies. Um, there's so many different ways that black children are seen in society. All too often, none of them good. Uh, when we look at them, we consider saggy pants or we consider hairstyles or we consider, you know, um, hip hop and sort of the negative aspects of it or what we deem to be negative. We think that they're troublemakers. We think that um, they're not really going to be good uh, when they get older. We don't really pour positivity into them um, collectively as a society, I feel. Um, You know, it happens in our homes Um, It happens amongst our collective communities, right? But it's not necessarily a society-wide event where we look at black children and say they are good, they are human. And so um, what I love about Jason is that he goes out of his way to humanize black children. He'll show, like he did in his book Ghost, uh, a child who's dealing with trauma and how that sort of finds its way to his everyday life. And if you don't know about his background and what happened to him at home, you would assume that his behavior uh, is the sort of result of him just not being a good kid, right? But Jason, in his love for black children and in his love for storytelling and in his love for the written word and using it to sort of explore humanity, particularly black child, black children's humanity, um, he's able to show you 
the trauma that leads to the behavior, that makes perfect sense. Um, I just love his writing. I just love him. If you ever have a chance to go and sit and listen to him present his work and talk about his storytelling and why he does what he does, do that because he is an absolute revelation. And I think that he is the perfect embodiment of love as it relates to the black community. Okay, so for the word beauty, I have two favorite things. One is Minted Cosmetics, which is a black-owned cosmetics company that focuses on nude lipsticks for women with brown skin. And let me tell you something, as a chocolate girl who loves makeup, it is doggone near impossible to find the perfect nude that works with. Now, I have two different colored lips. One, the bottom is pink, and the top one is a little brown. And they are thick and juicy and luscious. Thank you very much. But sometimes I don't want to go for the harsh red lipstick. But finding a nude can be challenging because nude is usually created for skin color that does not look like mine. uh, And that does not necessarily work with two different colored lips or um, my specific skin color, um, my brown lips. And so uh, Minted has done the miraculous uh, job of creating nude lipsticks for brown girls. I own every last one of them. Yes, I do. They go from pinks to light browns to tans to uh, dark, deep berries, and they all show up on my lips in like the most perfect nude you could possibly ever want. And so I am super excited for them um, and super excited about all of the different, all of the growth that they've done over this year, including this magnificent eyeshadow palette that I am absolutely addicted to. I use it wherever I go. Whenever I'm going out, I am usually wearing minted eyeshadow and their um their nude lipsticks. So yes to minted cosmetics completely embodying um, my favorite thing about beauty. The other um, person that embodies beauty for me is Brie Jones. She is a makeup artist here in Atlanta. She actually does my makeup when I am uh, on a seat at the table, the television show that I do here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Hello and welcome to A Seat at the Table. I'm Deneen Milner and we are going to discuss What's special about Brie is that she understands chocolate girl skin. All too often when I sit in front of makeup artists, what they do is they try to make my skin lighter. They use a bunch of products to make my skin lighter so then they can work with the colors that they have in their palettes. And it drives me absolutely nuts because I work really hard in the summers on my tan. And during the winters, I really enjoy being uh, chocolate, being dark skin. Um, I get a little bit lighter, obviously, like everybody else does during the winter when I don't get as much sun, but I still have dark skin. And Brie knows how to mix and match colors in a way that allows me to look 
every bit as natural as if I don't have anything on. And she manages to um, play and makeup and colors on my skin um, in a way that I never thought possible. So she might come and put an electric blue on my eyes or a purple or, you know, toss some yellow on it or this really beautiful red. And there'll be colors that I never thought that black girls could play with, but she knows how to make it work. For fly, when we think about the, if you listen to the episode for fly, there were three different definitions for fly, right? There was fly like the 90s, fly girl, pretty. And then there was fly like spread your wings and fly. You can do whatever you want. And then there's fly, of course, like travel. And so for my favorite things for Fly um, are actually two artists who embody what it means to me to um, just sort of soar in the way that they uh, put their art together and the way that they portray black people in their art. Uh, The first one is Fabiola Jean-Louis. She is an incredible artist who does uh, photography. But what she does is she dresses her subjects in these handmade uh, costumes that are made out of paper. Now, if you looked at these pictures, and we'll put some up on the website so you can see um, what they look like, she'll create these beautiful dresses, Victorian dresses out of paper, dress her models up in them, pose them in a completely created scene, and then uh, photograph them. And those photographs are absolutely stunning. I saw them first on Instagram. Uh, She's on Instagram. Of course, her name is Fabiola Jean-Louis. And then I experienced her work at Spelman, at the Spelman Museum, uh, where they have one of her pieces in a collection. And I actually purchased one of her pieces as well. Uh, And what I loved about this piece, or what I love about this piece, and it's huge, it's hanging up in my bedroom, it's the first thing I see in the morning when I wake up, is this beautiful, dark-skinned, gorgeous woman in this Victoria Victorian dress kind of laid out on a chair with a voodoo doll in her lap and a bunch of different um, sort of spiritual uh, accoutrements on the table next to her, uh, including a Bible and some things that are typical to uh, the Haitian um, religion of voodoo. And the name of the the piece is called Marie Antoinette is Dead. And what I love about that piece is that the look on the woman's face is such satisfaction. And basically what I take away from it is that this woman is proving to you and showing to you that these, all of these different ideas of, um, you know, pe- that people have of being better than or higher than or richer than or smarter than, more into the intelligentsia of society, um, lording sort of their, um, lording their, 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 their power over you. Um, this woman is sitting there and she's showing to me, now this is my interpretation, Fabiola may have had something completely different, but my interpretation is that she's used her spirituality, her personal power, her own gumption 
to rise above what people think uh, about her in a negative way. She's ridden, risen above sort of this this power structure that says that she's supposed to be um, that she's supposed to eat cake and be happy with it, right? And she's saying, I've killed Marie Antoinette. I've killed your power structure. And I get to operate and function exactly the way that I want to in this beautiful dress, laying here with what my what I deem to be my own spiritual undertaking and letting you know that you can't kill me, that I'm I'm everlasting. I am beautiful. I rise above. And so I love Fabiola's um, work for that. She's just, I think that she's absolutely amazing. The other person that uh, did an equal amount of work for me in that regard when it comes to the word fly is Carrie James Marshall, who uh, just earlier this year had a um, painting go for nearly $18.5 million at Sotheby's. Uh, and this work is absolutely stunning. It's called Vignette 19, and it depicts three couples captured in a park-like vignette framed with strokes of pink and a glittery heart. And it went for $18,488,000. It was supposed to go between $6.5 and $7.5 million. Um, The price is historic. It's the second highest ever paid at auction for work by a living African-American artist, which makes Carrie James Marshall absolutely a phenomenon because usually what happens with black artists is that we don't recognize them until they're dead. We don't give them their flowers until they're gone. Well, Kerry James Marshall is getting his flowers, his due right now. And what makes this specific piece so special is that um, it portrays black life and black love, something that uh, that in in a piece that was written on it in uh, culturetype.com, they actually said this and 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 I and I, I rail against what they said about this piece because well, I'll just read it to you. It says, the vignettes are part of Marshall's ongoing effort to create narrative paintings that eschew images of the black figure contending with violence or trauma in favor of an almost Rockwellian normalcy, defying expectations to create a new sense of black domesticity. And so basically what they're saying is this man created this beautiful piece of art and is completely tossing to the side um, the typical narrative in black art, which is trauma or, you know, some kind of violence, usually the civil rights movement or something to that effect or jazz, because that's always a thing in black art. And basically what he's done is he's defied expectations to to create a new sense of black domesticity, meaning that he's created this new sense of black families enjoying one another, loving one another, being together and not worrying about, um, you know, in these moments, not worrying about sort of the trauma that completely sort of darkens the, the the everyday experience of being black in America. And what I rail against is that um, is that idea that this is new, right? This new sense of black domesticity. I argue that this narrative has always existed. We just haven't explored it in the way that Carrie James uh, 
Kerry James Marshall is exploring in this painting. Actually, it's explored by a whole bunch of people, but this um, has people actually considering it as something that can and should be done. And so that's why I love Kerry James Marshall. That's why I think that he's fly, because he created this narrative for us, sold it for over $18 million. And yes, somebody is out there looking at fly black people, being in love, being families, traipsing through the park and having a good old time. And so, and, you know, I I argue that that's something that we do all the time. We're not always thinking about trauma and and despair, that we live our lives happily, um, just like everybody else. And so shout out to Carrie James Marshall for being so fly. One of my favorite episodes that dropped this year was Black. I've made a point of letting you know just how black I am. I usually do it with a fist in the air, and I'm doing it with a fist in the air right now. I love being black. I love blackness. I love everything about um, our community and its beauty, its passion, its color, um, its fortitude, its love. And that's how I feel about this movie that came out this year that is the very embodiment of the word black or the password black. And that's Queen and Slim. You swerving a little bit back there. Go ahead and ask you to step out of the vehicle for me. Get on the ground! Are you serious? Why is he under arrest? Just chill! Just chill! Get back in the car, you're going to jail too! Cop kills! It was self-defense. There is nothing back there for us. It is brilliant because it is black as hell. Um, it is brilliant because it is showing a love story between two people, two black people who are um, sort of interacting with one another um, in the middle of a social injustice and trauma. Um, it's showing how they go about learning how to read one another, learning how to survive in the middle of this madness, um, and showing the beauty of the South and blackness in the South, which I don't think that we get to engage with um, in ways that uh, I think we should. I think that when we see black people in uh, mass media and movies on television, uh, uh, in magazines, that we usually focus on people in big cities. And Queen and Slim is an homage to the South and black people, specifically in the South. And so I absolutely um, love the journey that they take. Uh, it's traumatic. It ends up being traumatic. But the journey there is beautiful, from the music to the scenery to the interaction between Queen and Slim to the interaction between Queen and Slim and family and Queen and Slim and people who agree with what they're doing and people who do not. Um, the, the music is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, so shout out to Lena Waithe for the director for creating this uh, incredible movie with the writer Melina Matsukis. And they just did a fantastic job. And I just absolutely think that is a very embodiment of the word black. I'm pleased with them. Another one of my favorite things for the password flower is 
my friend, Marianne Rossi Cunny, and she created Max Squad by Rossi, which is geared toward helping older women, women like me, I am 51 years old, um, get into the best shape of our lives. And so she is uh, getting women to change their eating habits. She's getting women to get into the gym and really enjoy working out, really enjoy sweating, really enjoy seeing their muscles just pop, child. She, like Folks just look great when they work out with her. Um, I, I, we're always clowning her over her food. We'll have girls' night out, and it'll be a potluck. And, of course, I'll bring liquor because that's what I do. Or I'll, you know, bring a dessert. Uh, my friend Angela brings dessert because that's what she does. And then Marion always threatens to bring, like, zucchini, you know, oatmeal muffins or something. And we're all looking at her like she's absolutely out of her mind because it's girls' night. Who wants m- zucchini oatmeal muffins but you know clowning aside she makes some incredible dishes that um you know eliminate meat that eliminate fat that eliminate all the things that would um, contribute to us bloating or getting a little bit bigger than we need to be um and that really respect uh, the way that our bodies are changing as older women. Just because we hit our 40s and 50s doesn't mean that we need to hang it up, that we are just getting our second wind, that we are fly, dope, beautiful, and um, that we can blossom into this next um, journey of our lives without um, feeling as if we can't go on. And so shout out to Marion for blossoming into this beautiful flower that is helping us also blossom and flower. And finally, to celebrate the first episode of the new year, which is freedom, uh, I wanted to give you my favorite things that have to do with freedom, and they happen to be two musical artists. My favorites right now Anderson Pock and Ari Lennox. Now, let me tell you about Anderson Pock. If Anderson ever comes and performs anywhere in the vicinity of you, if it's two states over, get in your car, cross state lines, and go see this man perform. He had two incredible albums come out this year. That's right. I said it, too. He dropped one and then was like, surprise, I had so much dope music that I put out a second one. And he put the second one out literally like a month, a month and a half after the first one. The first one is Oxnard. The second one is Ventura. They are absolutely brilliant from beginning to end. There is not one single song on these albums that is not absolutely spectacular. It's a blend of hip hop with soul, R&B, neo-soul mixed all up in it, a little bit of rock. He's a drummer and a singer, and he kind of sing-talks his way through his music. We've been through it all, though it could be worse. We've been moved around in a state of alert. There's nothing new or sharp about the cutting edge. If they build a wall, let's jump the fence, I'm over this. 
some of my favorite songs include King James, which is about like black folks just all gathering up all of their contributions to American society and just taking off to another planet because sometimes it feels like it's just not appreciated. And so he says, what about the love is coming with me? All of that is coming. We're going to take all of that and um, go somewhere where it's appreciated and loved and enjoy one another. I absolutely love that song. I also love Ari Lennox, who is a new artist who came out on uh, J. Cole's label. Uh, and she is absolutely, she has this voice that is like Minnie Ripperton, but circa 2019. There's no other way to describe it. She's just, she did a Tiny Desk concert on NPR's Tiny Desk series. And she's she's funny, she's engaging, she's absolutely lovely. She and her voice is magical. But not only is her voice magical, the way that she delivers her lines is magical. And so she has this song called um, Grandpa. That is just about her wanting to go see a guy and the guy, you know, is sort of hemming and hawing about letting her come over to his house and she's saying, why you gotta be a grandpa? So to me, that is her sort of taking ownership on what she wants and and not being shy and coy about it and saying, I want to come over and see you and stop being an old man about this and let's go ahead and get together. She's the very embodiment to me of freedom and that she um, isn't afraid as a modern woman. She's telling you that we have the right to be free in the way that we interact with the opposite sex and the way that we interact with friends and the way that we operate um, when it comes to our own personal space and the way that we move through society. We are free to do as we please. And so Anderson Park and Ari Lennox, I absolutely love y'all for being so free. Stay up to the daylight. And for more on my favorite things of the year, visit speakeasywithdeneen.com. I'm Deneen Milner, and this is Speakeasy with Deneen. Sean Powers produces the show. Keosha Howard is our editor. Our theme music is by M. Fassall. 
Speakeasy with Deneen is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. You can subscribe to us for free at gpb.org forward slash podcasts and anywhere you get your podcasts. And until the next time on Speakeasy, be easy. Be easy.